0: Relationships shouldn't be difficult. They should be challenging, but they shouldn't be difficult. And when they are and you can't figure out how to get past the difficulties, that's when you might need my other podcast, Love and Abuse, over at loveandabuse.com. Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hey, this is Paul Coliani, and I'm here to help you learn to deal with difficult people and tackle life's challenges Without compromising who you are, this show consists of my personal opinions and is meant for informational purposes only. Always seek a professional for your mental health and well-being. You know, one thing that I love about, um, well, let me put it this way. One thing that I enjoy doing to increase my mental health, to strengthen it, to make me feel better are the tiny quality of life improvements that um, any one of us can do. But some of these are free, some of them cost money, but I think when we consider what we go through on an average day and what we are exposed to, who we talk to, when we walk through our homes and we walk into a room and something annoys us, <laughs> something irritates us, something is ugly, something makes us feel bad. I think that's when a quality of life improvement is needed. And I was thinking, what am I going to do for the end of the year? This is the end of 2023 and going into the next year, what do I want to talk about that I can share with you? This won't be a, a heavy episode. I just want to share something with you that might improve your life and help you start the new year off right. And uh, for those listening beyond the new, the new year, this is still valid. <laughs> Everything I'm talking about is still valid. You can do this anytime in your life. And a lot of these are simple and a lot of this stuff you may already know, but I think it's helpful to have a reminder every now and then of the little quality of life improvements we can do in our, in our lives. For example, I just purchased uh, something really cheap. It was a uh, motion detecting light. That I can put in my closet. My closet had one that uh, I didn't really like too much. I mean it lit up the whole closet but what I wanted was ones that you could put under the shelves. So when I walked in the lights on under the shelves would come on and I could see the clothes on my shelves and uh, I didn't have that before and I decided I'm going to give it a shot. These are cheap, these are easy, they're rechargeable and they just arrived and I charged them and I stuck them under the shelves and when I walk in, I can see my clothes. <laughs> this one tiny little change for a few bucks. I think it was less than maybe 20 bucks. I got these two light bars. You know, we could f- shop online, you could find deals like this. And I got these two bars and I put them in, and now I'm happy. I wasn't unhappy before, but walking into my closet is just a different experience. I can see what I'm going to wear instead of having to try to figure it out. I did have light in there before, but I was changing batteries all the time. Now I can just recharge this little bar and my life has improved. My quality of life has improved. This is what I'm talking about. We have these little things that we can do and you probably relate. Like when we bought this house back in uh 2018, I think it was the 2018 to 2019 and we would walk around the house and you get used to the things that aren't the best <laughs> they aren't the highest quality or don't work right. We get used to it, like uh looking under the sink and seeing the disaster that was here when we moved in. We have the kitchen sink and two bathroom sinks, and when we look under the the bathroom sink and the main bathroom. It was a nightmare and it needed to be changed. And I, I kept it that way for a long time, or at least a couple of years. But every time I looked at it, I knew I needed to do something about it. And it, I just let it go. But every time I saw it, I felt, you know, that feeling like, oh, <laughs> I wish I could just fix this now, but I don't have time. I kept telling myself, I don't have time. And then eventually I forced myself to do some work. I think I had to figure out how to work with PVC. And uh, once I watched some videos, I did some work and I fixed it. And now it's done. And now when I open my cabinet, it looks fine and I'm happy. Actually, there might be another leak. (laughs) I gotta look at that again. But now I know that I can change my life if I choose to. I could change my life just by doing something that I know it will take time. I know we'll take energy and maybe even money, but it's worth doing it if I don't have that feeling that I get when I see it, it would be worth getting a new feeling if I did it. So I changed that just like the, the stuff under the kitchen sink. I had to change all that too. Now I, I have some skills. I'm not a pro, but I do have some skills We can learn almost anything we need to learn on YouTube. This is why uh, most of us can get these skills now, but you know, some people aren't handy and they would hire somebody else, but I didn't want to hire somebody for these little things. So I changed those things myself and it worked out. Quality of life improved. Check, (laughs) check that box. Another thing that we noticed when we moved in was was that the food pantry, this really tiny closet in our kitchen, was completely black. I mean, mean, with no light. They didn't have any light installed in there. I thought, what the heck? How How can you see anything in here? And we couldn't. We had to take our phone flashlights out or get the light in the kitchen to shine in there somehow. And that was one thing I decided to take on early. So, That, I ended up spending less than 20 bucks, bought a ceiling light, and I ended up wiring it to the light next to the uh, laundry room. So, now they have the same light switch. (laughs) But it's okay, because I don't mind turning on the laundry room at the same time I turn on the the pantry, because they're right next to each other. And uh, it's just easier. One switch, great. I had to do some extra work there, because I had to crawl in the attic. But My point is after I installed that, then I didn't have to think about it anymore and my quality of life improved. So I love these little quality of life improvements that, that we can make in our existence when we're doing our day-to-day thing. And I decided to make a whole list. I won't read you the whole thing. I made a whole list of the little quality of life improvements I did for myself, for this house, for Asha, my partner. And um, that has changed our lives. Every little thing you do can be something that can change your day-to-day in a good way. You can make it more positive. You can be happier after that point. So my comment or my suggestion is to be conscientious of What you experience in every room of your house, or even at work, if you go somewhere for work, if you commute, be conscientious of your commute, be conscientious of being at work and what bothers you, what annoys you. Some people do. (laughs) You may not be able to change those people, but you can change certain things in, in your environment and what you can do to make your quality of life a little bit better. For example, I now carry around a small pocket knife, and that has improved my life because every time I receive mail now, it's so much easier to open. It sounds so simple and silly, but having a knife, it just makes life easier for me because I receive mail, and I receive packages, and it's just available. I pull it out of my pocket instead of having to go to the drawer and get the scissors out simple stuff. Very, very easy to fix. So this is the kind of um, thing I think about all the time is how can I make my life easier? How can I make things more efficient for me? Like the uh, basement, when we moved here, the basement is uh, also our garage. So we walked down there and the basement was completely dark except for one light. Whoever was here last, their only light was a heat lamp. And in order to get light, I had to turn on this heat lamp. It's a, a big wide one. And uh, I thought, this is really annoying. <laughs> I don't always want the heat. And I need more light. This is a big basement. So I went on to like uh Facebook marketplace and I found a bunch of fluorescent lights. And I brought them home and plugged them in. And now we have light. And on top of that, I decided to get a motion sensor switch to turn on those lights so I don't even have to look for a switch. So I walk down the stairs and the lights come on. And when we're done or when there's no more motion, the lights turn off by themselves. Improve, (laughs) Life has improved because of that. Just little things like that. And yes, that's pretty much all I'm talking about today. (laughs) I want you to walk around and figure out what could improve your life. And these are just some ideas, some examples. For example, um, I work in my office all day, my home office. And uh, sometimes I don't remember that I have music. Sometimes I don't remember that I can just ask my smart device to play some music. The music that I want to hear, the music that changes my mood. So if I feel inundated or stressed or even relaxed, I can listen to music that I appreciate, that I like, and it makes me feel better. This is something Asha told me. (laughs) She said, you know, I forget that when I'm down, all I have to do is play something that I enjoy listening to and I feel better. That reminds me of um, when I was getting divorced. When I was getting divorced, I was living with my mom and uh, we had already, you know, my wife and I had already separated. And she had went her way and I went my way. And um, I I was lonely and I was sad. And so I thought, what can I do? I don't want to just sit in this loneliness and be in misery while waiting for myself to heal, waiting for my heart to heal. And so I decided to just take my little tablet out and watch comedy stuff. I watched uh, improv and things like that. And it made me laugh sometimes, but I was still down. But it, it was like having somebody there. It was like not being alone. And so I did that for several months. And it really helped because it got lonely. I know some people can relate right now. It got lonely. And so having this, um, these other people in my life, even though they were on a little TV that I took to bed with me, I just felt like I was part of something else than just being by myself. And that was so helpful as I was healing. It's like my hearing aids. I had to get hearing aids because I used to listen to loud music in my 20s. And everything was fine up until my late 40s, early 50s. And my partner Asha says, "Uh, you never hear me. (laughs) I said, I can hear you. You just mumble. She says, I don't mumble. (laughs) And then I say, I can hear you, but you're in the other room and it's hard to hear you. So that's not me. That's just because distance or the washer's on or the TV's on or whatever. I can hear you. It's just sometimes there are other noises that overpower your voice. So she didn't believe me. (laughs) And we got a hearing test and uh, clearly I had several areas of hearing loss several frequency ranges so they said you need hearing aids if you want to hear and it's interesting when you start losing certain frequencies is that you don't really recognize that you're losing them you just think that uh, something else is going on like there's other sound in the room or the other person's too far or they're mumbling just like i thought and how about tv when i watch tv or movies I could barely understand them and I just blame the technology like these voices aren't coming through anymore. They don't record them the same way they used to, which in some cases is true, but there are times where I couldn't even hear what they're saying and I had to watch their lips. So Asha's telling me, uh, you need hearing aids. And I said, I don't know about that, but we got a hearing test and she was absolutely right. And, uh, while I was in the audiologist's office, he had me put on a test set, and uh, it was different. It was completely different. I could hear the frequencies that I couldn't hear before. I could understand what they were saying without watching their lips. And believe me, when everyone was wearing masks during COVID, it was very difficult to hear people. I would just have to really hone in. But I got those hearing aids, and that changed my life. It definitely I mean, this is probably one of the best decisions I've made because now I can hear again. I can watch TV without having to ask, what did he say? What did they say? I can actually hear conversations and I don't have to say what all the time. I still say it on occasion, but it's not because of my hearing. It's because what I thought was happening originally turns out to be true in some cases the dishwasher's running, the the water's running, the fan is running. There are times when that happens, but now I know for sure what the problem is. So having my hearing aids has been uh, fantastic, has improved my relationship. I know someone, and uh, they don't listen to the show, I don't think, who refuses to wear his hearing aids. And uh, if he did, I think his marriage would improve. I'm just Throwing that out there because uh, he can never hear her. He doesn't like wearing them. And I said, you probably need a different pair because I love mine. And so that would improve his life. That would improve his marriage all because of something that he just doesn't want to deal with. And maybe it's time to deal with it. What are you holding on to or what are you holding back on dealing with just because you don't want to deal with it? when it can actually improve your life in many ways. It's just something to think about. Like my hearing aids also have Bluetooth capability. I can hear my phone ring. I can hear the videos on my phone. Nobody knows I'm listening. It's wonderful. And when I have a phone call, I can hear it in my ear. It's just so much easier. So little things like that can go a long way. Just oiling a squeaky door can change your mood. Because every time you open that door, you hear that squeak. And how do you feel about it? Fixing that stuff around the house has changed our lives, has improved our lives. Every time something bothers me in one of our rooms, I hone in on it. And if I'm not fixing it, I'm stewing about it. (laughs) I'm getting irritated by it. I'm frustrated by it. What can I do to fix that? What can I do to change it? It's like uh, the, the color in a room can change your mood. My sister just told me yesterday, I just painted my room. This is really cool, light blue. It was just happens to be the color of my office. And I said, oh my God, that looks just like my office. And it changed her mood completely. Every time she walks in there, she feels better. She said, every time I walked in there before, it was dark and I didn't like how I felt being in there, but now I like how I feel. You might be listening saying, yeah, feng shui, (laughs) things like that. How we organize a room, how we color a room. Yes, I get it. I get it now. (laughs) It took me a long time to get it because I would live with uh, problems. I would just live with them. I just think, well, this is the way it is. And this is what I'm going to have to accept. Like uh, trying to get behind the Christmas tree because we have a Christmas tree and every year trying to get behind it, trying to step on that button to turn on the lights or turn off the lights because we want to hide that switch, right? We want to hide that switch. So nobody sees it that that's where we turn on the lights. If you celebrate Christmas and you have a tree, this is, you know what I mean? <laughs> you have to turn on the lights. You have to either plug it in or hit the big button on the on the power outlet strip. But if you um, get a smart plug, that's what we did. We got a smart plug and now we plug the Christmas tree into the smart plug and we're able to tell our smart device to turn on and off the Christmas tree. It's so much easier. We even programmed a routine so that when we say goodnight to our smart device, all the lights go out. All the lights that are on smart devices go out. So we have made our lives easier. And some of this stuff doesn't require a lot of money. Like we paid 20 something bucks for smart switches and we have lamps and a Christmas tree and a couple other things plugged into them. Makes life so much easier. All right, I'm going to share with you a couple more of my quality of life improvements. And these are just to give you ideas, some examples that uh, if you've been thinking about changing certain things in your life, or you've been wondering what can improve your life in some way, these might be helpful to you. One of the things for me, and I've talked about this in another episode, is getting rid of old pictures that uh, make me feel bad. If you have a box of pictures like I do, and you haven't digitized them yet, I have a box of old pictures and I went through about 600 of them and threw out a bunch. And that was hard because this is the only picture. (laughs) This is the only picture of this person that I have. But every time I look at it, I feel bad. And I don't mean sad because they're gone or anything like that, but I feel bad. I I just feel a little irritated or I, I remember the times I was with that person and I think, Uh, I didn't feel very good when that person was around, so why do I still have this picture? And the first thought that comes to mind is, because it's the only one. So I think, what would happen if I didn't have this picture? First of all, I wouldn't miss it. Second of all, I wouldn't accidentally come across it and feel bad. So what am I going to do? I threw it out. And I did that with picture after picture. And now I have a box of pictures that I don't mind looking at and make me feel good. Just a little simple thing, a little simple change, because I was willing to let go. I was willing to let go of something that uh, bothered me. And that really changed my life. That was the beginning of my minimizing. Like when my car broke down in Arizona, I did a lot of minimizing. I had to give up my car and all my possessions in my car. I told that story in a couple episodes, but... Basically, that was the very first day that I decided that uh, I didn't need to be attached to so many things. I didn't need to be attached to these things. What am I doing holding on? It took a uh, breakdown in the desert for me to finally let go of attachments. What I mean by that is sometimes we hold on to things and there's really no reason to. I mean, we have solid reasons. We have very good reasons that we hold on to things but sometimes we don't need to. I didn't want to get rid of my car. That was my only car, but it broke down. What was I going to do? I didn't know what to do because I had no money at the time. I had no money. This was my car and I had just moved. So I had a bunch of stuff in my car and I sold it. I sold it all for like 200 bucks, (laughs) a bus ticket home. And it made me realize just how uh, much grip attachments had on me. I was so attached. I was so afraid of losing things or giving them away or letting them go. And that was the beginning for me, letting go of attachments so that they didn't have such a grip on me. And, uh, I'm able to get things in my life and let them go if I want to. I mean, you can keep attachments all you want, but what happens when it's time to let that go? Can you, would you be okay letting that go? Because if you say, no, I absolutely can't let that go, then that attachment has a hold on you. I'm not saying it's a good or a bad hold. I'm saying that it can be limiting. It can limit you in some ways because you aren't willing to part with it. And this is a a personal journey, personal choice. It's just something that I've learned that when something comes my way, I really want it and I really love it, but I might lose it then I have chosen to be okay if that happens. Not that I want it to happen and not that I just automatically let things go, but it does help to allow the choice of letting it go into my line of thinking. It does help to say, well, what would happen if I let it go? Will I be okay if I let it go? Like these pictures, will I be okay if I let this picture go? Will I be okay if I never see it again? I mean, when it really comes down to it, a lot of the stuff that we collect over the years, we can probably let go. We may not want to, but we can probably let it go. And if we never saw it again, then so what? <laughs> it's not with everything we do that with, but there are things that we've you know, collected or bought over the years that may or may not serve us in some way or may or may not benefit us or make us feel good. If it makes us feel good, that's great. But can we be okay if we choose to let it go? That's kind of my line of thinking. Will I be okay if I let it go? Because what are you going to say? You know, one of the things I like to challenge myself with is a question like, if I absolutely had to let it go, would I be okay? Or even better, what if I had no choice but to let it go? Would I be okay? Now, I may say, no, like I I won't be okay. I need that in my life. But what if I said, I have to accept that I'll never have it again. I'll have to accept that it is permanently gone in my life. Would I be okay eventually? This is uh, when you challenge yourself to consider that what happened is permanent. And this, this is the toughest part. This is the toughest part of letting go of something is making the consideration that it's permanent. Because once you do that, then any hope that you had goes out the window because you have accepted that it's permanent. The good part about that is, is if you were hoping and hoping and it made you miserable, hoping that it never happens, but if you accept that it did and it won't change, that brings you closure. It's not always a pleasant closure, but it gets you to the next level of thinking. And what I mean by that is we can stay in this obsessive thinking process that we wish something would change. We hope something changes. We pray something changes, or we can choose to accept that it won't. And once you choose to accept that something won't change, you do have to think differently and you will. You will think differently. Once you've accepted that it won't change, that this is it, this is the way it's going to be from now on. As hard as that can be, it also helps you achieve closure. It helps you get to the next step in this process. And it might be something that you have to heal from, might be something that you have to work through to uh, maybe it's a grieving process of some sort, maybe it's a person. You have to grieve through that loss and accept that loss, so that when you come out on the other side, you're ready to start over, start again, start rebuilding, doing something that uh, you may not have done had you not accepted that it was gone or over. And I know that can be so tough. That can be very difficult. But acceptance is one of those choices that I make, when I absolutely don't want to, (laughs) when I don't want to accept something to be true, to be over. But if I don't, I'll obsess over it. I'll continue thinking about it. I'll continue hoping and wishing and praying that it wasn't true. But if I did that, then that keeps me in a rut. Obsession is a rut. So I want to get out of that rut. How do I get out of that rut? I tell myself, this is the way it is. It's not going to change. I'll even say that it's not going to change. No matter what I do it's not going to change. If it does change then great, I can work with that. But I've chosen that uh I've chosen to accept that it won't and I'm going to work with that now. That helps me get to the next level, next line of thinking that I need in order to progress in life. So, let me just conclude this episode by asking you to be conscientious and When you find something irritating, annoying, or makes you feel miserable, makes you feel just a little bit bad in any way, ask yourself what you can do to improve it. Something small, just adding light to a dark room or even lowering the wattage or the, whatever they call the lumens in a, in a room can change the, the vibe of that room. It can change the energy of that room because you feel differently walking into it. Like my fiance, Asha, she says that when she walks into her closet, she needs a certain color of light. Otherwise it drives her crazy. So that color helps her pick out clothes. It makes her feel different. It makes her feel better. If it's a certain color, I don't, I'm not sure what color she's looking for, but we have light in there. Just don't know if it's perfect, but she's always on the lookout because when I got my closet lights, (laughs) and i put them under the shelves she said well you like that futuristic look <laughs> you like that modern look and i said it helps me see my clothes i can see my clothes i can see what i'm going to wear and that makes me happy and she said well i'm glad it works for you <laughs> and it does and i'm glad i got them it has changed my life it has improved my quality of life and um i'm probably going to get more I'm going to get more of those light bars because I have some other places to put them that are dark and I just want to brighten those areas. Thanks for tuning in today. This was a a different episode, a very unique episode. Uh, I don't normally have episodes like this where I just give you a bunch of suggestions, but I do hope it was helpful and I just wanted to do something a little different for the end of the year as we move into 2024. And again, if you're listening to this later, I still think um, all of this is relevant. And I think I have another episode before the year ends, don't I? Uh, 2024. No, I don't. It comes out on the 24th, the day before Christmas. So the next time you hear me, I guess it'll be um, 2024. Okay, I had to stop the recording because that was a crock. (laughs) I have my, uh, I use a program called OneNote to show all the episodes that I have coming up. And for some reason, I forgot to put December 31st. So I had to go through the entire 2024 year and change the episode numbers. It's a, I'm it, going gotta say it's a nightmare, but it wasn't a nightmare. It was just a pain in the butt. And uh, I will be back on December 31st. I'm not going to take December 31st off. You know, I'll record it ahead of time, but I'm still here, still putting the podcast out in 2023. Looking forward to talking to you again in 2024. But until then, we're going to talk right before the year starts. So I'm so glad that you joined. Thank you for joining me for another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. And I want to thank the patrons of the week, Brad, Ashley, Winnie, T. Oh, T, you're new. So glad you joined. Thank you so much for your support. You know, I think about this. I think about what people do to uh, support someone You can support people emotionally, you can support them financially, you can support them in many ways. And for someone to take the time and go to a website and click a button and then send money to someone out here that they've never met, it's humbling. Believe me, it's humbling. So T and the rest, Brad's been a longtime supporter. I I recognize all these names, Ashley, Winnie, Larry, Crystal, Angel, all of you very grateful for you. Thank you so much. You are a gift. Thank you. And I'm so glad that you value this show enough to show your support in that way. And if you're listening now and you value the show and you want to give back, if you're in that space to do so, head over to moretob.com and there are options to do that over there. Thank you again, patrons. I'm very grateful for you and uh, I appreciate all of you. Now, if you're looking for a show on how to deal with difficult relationships, Well, you can listen to this show too, but I do have another podcast called Love and Abuse and I've been doing that since 2019. It's all about difficult relationships and how to navigate them and how to deal with emotionally abusive behavior, controlling behavior, manipulative behavior. If you are feeling guilty or responsible for all the relationship problems because somebody else tells you you're the problem, there's a problem. (laughs) There's a problem in the relationship and I want to help you trying to figure that out, what the problems are. So that's over at loveandabuse.com. And And if you know you're the difficult one in the relationship, you know you're doing these behaviors and you want to stop because maybe you were like uh, I used to be and I ruined all these great relationships in my life until I finally understood and learned how to be different, how to fix my emotional triggers, how to heal my coping mechanisms and work through all this stuff. Then head over to healedbeing.com and I have a very comprehensive program over there that will change your life and uh, change your relationships. And, you know, when I was this way, when I was a different person than I am now, I always felt like I was in a low level state of uh, just about to be triggered. Like I was always ready to be triggered. I was just right there on the edge. And I wanted to get past that. I don't want to always be in that state because I was never fully happy. I was never fully functional. And so learning to heal from that and get past that uh, changed my life. And it changed the, the lives of the people in my life because they no longer had to deal with my uh, stuff. <laughs> I want to say another word, but you know what I mean. So that's over at healedbeing.com and it's been help- very helpful for a lot of people. And finally, thanks to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the Overwhelmed Brain. And I'm going to end this episode with a relationship question. I get a ton of them and I can't fit them all in each episode, so I like to put them in the nooks and crannies where I can. This person wrote, hey Paul, I love the podcast. I've been listening to Love and Abuse and now I'm listening to the Overwhelmed Brain and I wanted to ask you about the hardest challenge I've ever faced and I'm really struggling to be okay It's been several months and I'm not getting any better. I left my now ex-girlfriend for someone else I had met and I got really involved with. I did break up and reconcile with this new person many times uh, during this short period because I felt like I had to get back together with my ex as we had been together for five years. We've known each other more than 15 years and the other person got into my life only recently, but I couldn't. And I think they mean I couldn't go back to the other person. I still feel super guilty and I miss her so much but something keeps me from crawling back to her. Part of me knows it's time to move on, but part of me is still strongly attached to my ex. I feel very guilty, especially since she's still waiting for me to come back. I love her deeply. How can I move on? Well, how can I fit the answer into the end of this episode? That's a that's a tough one, because now you have this new person in your life, and I just answered uh, somebody in the Healed Being program actually regarding this, uh, very, a very similar question where the energy that she was putting in her current relationship was split with the feelings that she had between this person and the person that she uh, broke up with or they broke up. I forget who broke up with who. And I think it's so important to come to a decision and and ask yourself, who do I want to be with? I mean, if if somebody is going to join me on a deserted island, who is it going to be for the rest of my life? I think that's, you know, the the very first thing you have to decide. And of course, this person doesn't have an answer. They keep going back and forth. They love the person they're with and they love the person they left. And there's a reason. Here's the thing. There's a reason you left the last person and what you're doing is focusing on all, on all the reasons you stayed while you were there instead of focusing on all the reasons that you left and you shouldn't go back now i'm not here to judge or say that you should go back or not i'm here to ask you to ask yourself for what reasons did i leave because you're probably focused on all the good stuff all the good memories all the good times but why did you leave? There's got to be something or many things about that relationship that didn't line up with what you value in a relationship. Did you leave because of some habits? Did you leave because of some issues that in communication? Or were there insecurities in one or one or both of you and you just couldn't work through them? Or were you arguing all the time? I mean, there are reasons you left. And what if you said, I left because uh, I met someone new? There are still reasons you left because if it was great, you would have stayed. But I'm assuming, I'm assuming if it was great, you would stay. And if it was someone that you know, you wanted to spend the rest of your life with, you would have stayed, but someone else came along and now you're with this other person. And again, I'm not here to judge or tell you what's right or wrong. Only you know why you went with this new person. This new person must offer things to you that this other person didn't. And maybe that's why you feel guilty. Maybe you feel like you're not giving the other person a chance. But I think breaking up several times is giving the relationship plenty of chances. You have to look at what you did, the efforts you went through to try to make it work. And it didn't work. Sometimes relationships just don't work. Sometimes you're with someone that you are not compatible with and you love specific things about them and the things that you did together. You you loved those parts and when those were great, they were great and then the other parts didn't work out so well. And sometimes we have to accept that we're just not compatible. We're not in alignment. Maybe my values are different than their values. That's that's one thing I told the other person in Heal Being. I said, you need to write a list of what's important to you in a relationship. What's important to you in a partner. Just write that list out. I like to laugh. I want them to respect me. I want them to trust me. I want to feel safe around them. I want to go see movies with them. I want them to be attractive. I want to have a good sex life. Be honest. What is important to you about a partner? And then when you have this list, you take the first five or seven or 10 and you ask yourself, okay, who meets my criteria? Does this person I'm with meet my criteria? Does this person that I was with the other person, does that person meet my criteria? Because if they don't meet your criteria, then it will fall apart. So you can try and try and try again, but if they don't meet your values, if they're not in alignment with your values, it falls apart. I call it self-sabotaging behavior. You sabotage yourself when you are trying to make something work that is out of alignment with your values. That is self-sabotage. You know it's out of alignment because much of your criteria or some of your criteria isn't met, but you still pursue it anyway. So this is where I like to go is look at my values and ask myself, is this in alignment with my values? Because if it's not, it's going to fall apart. And I can guarantee you it will fall apart if you uh, prioritize your values and you say, okay, what's most important in this list? Let's just say that honesty was the most important value in your list and you broke up with your ex because of dishonesty. Do you really think going back to a person? That was dishonest, which is like the number one thing on your values list is going to work out. It, it can't. I mean, sure, they can change. People can change. They can figure out, oh, I, I shouldn't do that. So maybe I won't do that anymore. But you have to move forward until you are sure that someone else has changed and you don't always know that. Sometimes you do meet someone new and now the other person finally meets your values, but. Let's just say they never would have had you stayed together. That's another kind of challenge in relationships. And my fiance says this too. She says, you know, I have had so many relationships with uh, guys that um, when they left, they finally became the person I wanted. (laughs) She said, after I had them in my life and after they went off and pursued someone else, they became the person that was attractive to me. So we got together and I was attracted to them at first, but then they showed their true colors and they were just doing things that were not good for me and not good for the relationship. They were being jerks or whatever. And so I said, I- I'm going to kick you to the curb because I can't take this in my life. Cause she's good at honoring herself, honoring her boundaries. And she says she kicked these guys to the curb. <laughs> and uh, when they get into their next relationship, They realized what they did wrong because she was honest with them and said, this is what you're doing. You got to stop. And they wouldn't stop. So they straightened up and then they got into a new relationship and the new relationship worked out. And so at first she looked at that as, oh, great, you know, I go out with these guys (laughs) and then they become what I want after I kick them to the curb. And, you know, we talked about this and she knows this is true. What's true is they wouldn't have changed had you stayed together. So people change after they learn. And the only way to learn sometimes is to kick them to the curb. The only way to learn is to break up or the only way to learn is to have a blow up because some people won't learn any other way. It's like with um, emotionally abusive relationships. I talk about that in the other podcast. If someone doesn't change and you've asked them to change and they've seen you cry and they've seen you suffer through what they're putting you through and they won't change, then you have to take some drastic measures. Sometimes you do have to leave for a while, separate or even break up. But sometimes that's the only way to get the message across that what they're doing is crossing the line. Yes, it's true. Some people should see what they're doing is crossing the line, but sometimes they don't. Some people do not see it until you've had enough and you say no more. And then you have to walk away or do something else. So to this person who wrote, you can't make something work that won't work. You can't fit a square peg into a round hole. It just doesn't work. And yes, there may be a lot of compatibilities, but clearly something is not right with the relationship. Otherwise, it would work. As for the guilt, what do you feel guilty about? Do you feel guilty because she wants you, but you don't want her? I think my question on that is, how many times do you have to go back and try to make it work before you stop feeling guilty? Is 10 times enough? What if you went back 50 times and she still wants you? Now, I'm not trying to make you answer that for real. I think guilt appears because you care. Only caring people feel guilty. So no matter how you break up with someone, if they want you back, if you're a kind, compassionate, caring person, you might feel guilty for breaking up with them because they want you back. You feel bad that they feel bad. You feel bad that you can't give them what you want. And I do have episodes on guilt. You can go to the overwhelmedbrain.com and look up the word guilt. Guilt is supposed to be a fleeting thing. It's supposed to be a passing thing because guilt is supposed to be a message to tell you that you've done something wrong and now you need to rectify it or at least apologize for it. But after you rectify or apologize, you move on. Now, in this case, you, I don't know why you feel guilty. You didn't tell me why, but if it's because you feel bad that she wants you and you don't want her or the relationship's not going to work out then don't confuse guilt with compassion. You can look at somebody and say, I have compassion for that person. I wish they didn't feel bad. I wish I could do something about it. But there's a point where you have to accept that you can't do anything about it. So you have to move on. Now, I am concerned that maybe you're not moving on, that you're keeping in touch with this person. And if you are, then it's very difficult to break a bond with somebody on both sides if you keep in touch with them. If you continue to keep in touch with this person and, you know, you see them on social media or you see them in in person or in public, the more contact you have with someone, it might not break the bond long enough for you to get past the point you need to get past because especially if there's a trauma bond, a trauma bond is when there has been abusive behavior or very toxic behavior in the relationship and you get to the point where you believe That the only way to get love is to go through the pain and the suffering. So you have these highs and lows of a relationship and it creates a traumatic bond to the person. And when you are in that trauma bond scenario and then you break up with that person, you feel pulled back into the relationship because the highs were so high, even though the lows were so low, but you want those highs again. And again, we're back to the, what we're focusing on. We're back to Focusing on what was great and not why we're not in that relationship anymore So there's a lot going on you have a very loaded question and it's very challenging But I've given you enough to at least think about I think I'm not sure because um, I don't have all the details but You know when you feel guilty about something make sure you're not confusing that with compassion make sure you're not confusing that with sympathy or empathy because guilt is when you purposely do something wrong to somebody. That That's when guilt applies. I mean, this is how I look at guilt. Guilt applies when you do something wrong to somebody and you feel bad for doing that. But when a relationship doesn't work out, it doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means it didn't work. As I said, it helps both sides if you can completely disconnect with somebody to give them enough time for the emotional fog to lift so they can start to think clearly again in a relationship where there are still strong feelings um, it can take a few months it can take several months for the fog to lift and that fog is just anything that influences our decisions for example let's just say that you wanted to move out of the state but uh, you decided that you weren't going to because you still have feelings for someone if you didn't have those feelings What decision would you make then? That's what I mean by the fog. The fog influences our decision making. And once that fog lifts, then we can make decisions that are right for us, that are good for us and are appropriate. And I'm not saying that getting back together with somebody that you keep breaking up with isn't appropriate. I'm saying when you make decisions from a a place of clarity, you are making the right decision for you. You're not making a decision based on what somebody else may or may not do. You're making the right decisions for you. And it's always possible that this other person changes or heals, or maybe you do get together sometime in the future, but moving forward today is the best you can do for both of you. If you feel guilty, listen to my episodes on guilt because that is supposed to be a passing emotion. And you apologize and move on if you did something wrong or make amends or pay it forward. That's another way I look at guilt is sometimes you can't make up for what you did to someone else. So you pay it forward. You pay it forward to someone else and they benefit. So it's difficult. I know guilt is hard to deal with, but you can't have it lingering and festering inside of you. So I hope this gives you something. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. And as always, keep an open mind. That's how you step into your power so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing.